Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see all you guys here. Okay, so um, if you have a copy of God's Word, open it up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I just want to say it's been an awesome week. I know I, I speak for my wife and my family, my extended family who's come to family too. Uh, we have really enjoyed getting to know a lot of you guys and it's been, a th- it's been a great thing. I feel like it's, uh, it's almost like junior high night, you know, like it's the last night, you know, that we have together. And I feel like we should be signing yearbooks, you know, like in the mid-90s, we used to sign yearbooks. And, yeah, programs. We could sign camp programs to one another. And uh, I remember the, the greatest message I ever got. I got it like a hundred times in my junior high program from... Uh, classmate girls of mine, they would say, Josh, you're awesome. Never change. Never change. What does that mean? Never change. I mean, in seventh grade, I, you know, I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet. I'm hoping I change a little bit by next year. Never change. Never change. So I don't think it's really a biblical thing either. Like if we meet again, I hope you've changed. I hope you become more like Jesus, you know, next time we meet. But um, I do, I do want to say again uh, tonight, um, if this Jesus thing is new to you, okay, if this is the first time you're hearing about Christ this week, um, with Jariah in the morning, myself here in the, in the evening, uh, let's talk, please. We, we want to talk about Jesus with you, um, and we want to keep the conversation going. And so I want to share just a couple things uh, on Facebook. You can find uh, Danielle and I on Facebook if you want to connect that way. Uh, we would we definitely do that a lot um, in our ministry. And so it's Josh, Danielle, one word, and then Daggett, D-A-G-G-E-T-T. You can find us on Facebook. I am on Instagram, though I don't post. I'm a newbie to Instagram. Um, so it's just Josh Daggett, all one um, word there. And so if you want to connect online, that'd be really cool. If not, um, that's fine too. If you never want to talk to me again, I guess that's fine. Um, but a really cool thing, you know, I shared it, shared it last night, shared the gospel last night, and we had a young man um, after the service come and find me, and uh, he trusted Christ right over here in this front row last night, so praise the Lord. I promised I wouldn't say his name, because he's like, hey, I don't know that I want it fully public yet, but uh, it was a joyful, joyful thing last night, and so if Jesus, um, if this Jesus gospel, this good news that you're hearing is for the first time, uh, you never want to take it for granted in a setting like this that everybody knows Jesus. So we want to keep the conversation going. And so I had a teenager, my oldest daughter, Marie. She said, Dad, we have to come to family too next year. Okay, that's a big statement from a 13-year-old. All right, Marie said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen? Um, yeah, but no, we've, we have thoroughly enjoyed being with you guys uh, this week. It's been an awesome week. So... Let's read God's Word together, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Philippians chapter 4. So then, my brothers, you are dearly loved and longed for, my joy and crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Yodia and I urge Synthache to agree in the Lord, yes, I also ask you, true companion, or Sisygus, to help these women 
who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose name are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of His Word. Let's open our time in prayer. Father, thank You for the singing that we've got to do this week. God, it has been amazing to sing gospel truth. Lord, we love it. And Lord, we love hearing gospel truth. We love processing gospel truth. And Lord, we love all of this because your grace shone down into our hearts at a moment in time and you saved us. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy, you caused us to be born again. So we love truth tonight and we freely admit, Jesus, that we are not the author of our new desires to sing to you and to read your word and to love the gospel. So thank you, Jesus. Thanks for finding sinners like us and changing the trajectory of our lives. Thank you for the young man you saved even last night in row one after service. God, we give you all the praise, all the glory. And God, we ask for more. And we know that you are glorified in being the giver, and we are satisfied in being the receiver. So God, make us good receivers tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of tonight's message is Facing the Giant of Worry. And a lady in our church called me the other day and said, hey, pastor, can we meet? And so I met with her and our counseling pastor, and she came to our office with uh, about three sheets of paper. And she came up into our office and, and she said, I, I just need to sit with some counselors who can talk to me. So she sat down and we, we kind of talked through, um, you know, the weather and things like that. And I said, okay, let's get right down to the heart of it. Let's pray and get into it. So she um, asked me to pray. And so I prayed. And then after prayer, she was visibly shaking like this, like her papers were like this in her hand. And I'm like, okay, this is different. And you could feel the tension in the room. You could feel the weight of her anxiety in the room. And she gave me the sheet and said, Pastor, I can't, I can't even read the, the letter that I wrote. I'm so nervous right now. I'm so just over, overwhelmed with emotion so I received the letter, and I'm like, I, it was kind of weird because I'm like, I'm reading the woman's letter to her that she wrote. And as I read, she visibly just shook. Her legs were shaking. Her arms were shaking. It was a very hard letter to read because there's a lot of things going on in her life that are very difficult and very sinful and, and struggling. And when we got done reading the letter, we began to dive into her anxiety, her worry, and her fear. And over the next hour, she began to unpack all the different ways that she was experiencing anxiety and fear. And in, in one of the stories that she told us, she said, Pastor, I get so anxious and I get so worried about things that I, 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 I came home one day from substitute teaching at school 
And she said, and I couldn't handle my worry and my thoughts were just running away from me. And so I took my three boys and I, I, I threw them into the, the car and I just drove. And I'm like, where, where did you drive to? And she said, I just drove. I drove for four hours. I'm like, four hours? You drove for four hours? Where? And she's like, wherever I wanted, because the rhythm of the road was the only thing that cleared my mind. And she said, and then I come home, and I, and I, I don't know what to do. And she said, so I literally just open my Bible, and I start reading, and I feel like a, a horrible mom because I'm supposed to be making supper and taking care of my boys, but I don't know what else to do, so I just read my Bible expecting that maybe that will help me. Another young man in our church struggled mightily with worry, fear, and depression. I mentioned him a couple nights ago. He was the young man who committed suicide at the age of 17. And this guy's name was Ezra, and, and Ezra was uh, really standoffish at, at church. He would come, but he was kind of like, you know, stiff-arming all of it, you know? And I would, I would, like, try to make conversation with him, and he would just look at me, and he would just be like, whatever, dude. I don't, know, I don't believe the gospel. Get away from me. He was a trouble at youth group. One morning, um, the Des Moines Public Schools has these big dart buses that comes and picks up kids in the morning right next to our church office building. And I saw Ezra next to the, to the bus, and I went out and talked to him. And, and, and I could tell this was like a different Ezra. I went up to him, and, and, I, and I acknowledged him. I said, Ezra, hey, good morning. And he's like, hey! I could tell like he knew that his peers and other classmates were, were looking at him and looking at me. And, and all of a sudden, like he was super warm and he was talking to me. And I'm like, this is crazy. I've never had a good conversation with Ezra ever. And so we have this great conversation and he gets on the, the bus and I go into the office building feeling pretty encouraged. That Sunday he came to church and, and literally heard the gospel preached, and I sit in the back outside of our gymnasium, and I greet people as they go out of the school, and he's walking down the uh, hallway, and it's just me and Ezra. I'm like, dude, one-on-one -on -one time with Ezra? This is cool, and I just, I'm going to try to build off of what we just had at the bus earlier this week, and I say, hey, Ezra, what's going on? He literally did this to me, Okay. He's walking down the hallway. He sees me. I said, hey, Ezra, what's going on? And he literally put his hand like this, and he just walked this way. And I said, bro, don't play me like that. Come on now. And he looked over at me, and he, I'm like, Ezra, seriously, talk to me. And he looks over at me, and he's like, excuse me, who are you? And I said, bro, you're going to be that way today. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. And he walked out of the gym. He took his own life less than a month later. I say these two stories to let you know what you already know, which is that worry is a giant in people's lives. Worry, anxiety, depression, they all build up in our lives, and most people have no idea how to defeat this giant. And they don't feel like they can win in the struggle, and they don't know how to make good decisions in the midst of what they're going through and our church, I mean, we have a strong counseling ministry at our church, and I can't tell you the number of people that come into our counseling sessions that are on um, antidepressant medications. It's incredible, the amount of people that are on 
medications. I would guess in a crowd this size, there's a lot of you that are on some sort of antidepressant med. Because it is the very air we breathe to struggle with worry. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 is dealing with this issue, this spiritual stronghold of worry. And he is giving us God's commandments of how to fight worry and how to beat worry to the glory of God. And so tonight, I I want you to understand that there's a lot of people around you who are dealing with worry and fear. And the word in verse 6, don't worry about anything, that word means to be troubled with cares, to be loaded down with cares. Do you guys ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that way? Sure you do. You feel weighed down with something all the time. And some of you might say, well, I don't struggle with worry right now, Josh. This is kind of a sermon that I don't need. Okay, you sound a lot like Luke Skywalker, okay? When he tells Yoda... I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And you remember, if I could be your Yoda tonight, I just want to say, you will be. All right? Sorry. That's embarrassing. But it was pretty good, right? Wasn't that good? That was good. Preach! All right, the rest of my sermon's in Yoda voice. Kidding. No, but Yoda told Luke, you will be. You think you're out of the woods, but you will be afraid. And I would tell you, if you're not worried about worry in your life, you will be. At some point, you can put it in the bank that you will struggle with worry and fear. And Jariah did such a great job this week of unpacking fear for us, did he not? Such a good job. And we will deal with it every day of our lives till we go be with Jesus. But I want to give you three strategies tonight. Through Paul, through the inspiration of God's word, of how to overcome worry in our lives. Strategy number one, worry is overcome by standing firm. Worry is overcome by standing firm. He says, therefore, my brothers, you are dearly loved and longed for my joy and crown. In this matter, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. So Paul is giving us a command to stand firm, and and this word means to stand firm. It's really complex in the Greek. No, it means to persevere in standing. It means to keep on standing. It means to hold the line. And I don't know if you're a movie watcher, but one of the favorite movies that my wife and I watch is is The Last Samurai. We've seen it probably a thousand times with Tom Cruise uh, starring in in that movie. But at the very beginning of the movie, The Last Samurai, Tom Cruise is called to lead this army against um, a whole bunch of samurai and Katsumoto. And if you remember this, like he's struggling to get the army trained, He's struggling to get everybody ready for combat, and yet he gets pushed out into a combat zone, and he's frustrated because they're not ready yet. But off they go into the woods. And when they're in the woods, they hear Katsumoto and all of these amazing um, warriors coming at them, and all the guys are shaking their guns, their muskets are shaking. They don't know what to do. They don't know. They're fumbling their bayonets, and they're not standing firm. And it's a slaughterhouse at the beginning of that movie. Paul is commanding us as believers to do the opposite of what that 
untrained army did. He is commanding us to stand firm. And worry, if it is a sin that we are going to struggle with, it needs to be stood up to in the name of Jesus. You need to stand your ground if you're going to get victory over worry. And the Philippian church, they were dealing with worry, okay? Look at verse 2. I urge Yodia and I urge Synthache to agree in the Lord. Okay, you got two women who are gospel servants in the church struggling to get along. That doesn't sound familiar, does it, at all in any of our churches? All of our churches are perfect. Amen? Amen. No, man, we got people at each other's throats in our churches who love Jesus, who preach Jesus, who teach Jesus. We have some of these disunity things, and Paul is saying, look, you're my joy and my crown, Philippi. Stand firm in the Lord because you've got disunity, and you need to be helping these ladies agree in the Lord. You need to make your stand. And I I think disunity is distracting, and it brings worry into our lives, doesn't it? The disunity of the church brings worry into our lives. Trust me, I know. All right, three years ago, we had about 12 families leave our church all at once. We were breaking through the 200 barrier, which is a very real thing in church life. And we had a schism. We had a thing that happened. And I'm telling you, it took sleep from my life. And I love sleep. And I sleep like a Calvinist. Amen? Every, every night, every morning I wake up, I talk to Danielle, how'd you sleep? She's like, like a rock, how did you sleep? I'm like, like a Calvinist, baby. But I'm telling you, that schism, that time of destruction, that time of disunity, that stole sleep from me. And I've taken more than a few phone calls from pastor friends who are walking through disunity in their church, and it is worrisome and it makes us worry and fear what's going to happen to my church what's going to happen to my friendships what's going to happen to my life and here's what i'm saying if worry is going to be overcome we must stand firm in the lord amen we have to paul told the philippians that standing firm not only involves you know kind of getting into agreement with one another, but also rejoicing in the Lord. You see it in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Why does Paul say it twice? Why does Paul tell us to be happy two times? Because we need to hear it two times. Amen? I think our natural propensity to worry steals joy out of our souls. And when joy is stolen out of our lives, we begin to worry and not rejoice. And that's why Paul says, stand firm in the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. So, notice Paul didn't say rejoice in your circumstances, right? He didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He said rejoice in the Lord. Hey, Don't rejoice in your circumstances, okay? When it's a good day, be thankful. When it's a bad day, Ecclesiastes says that God made both the one and the other. You better be thankful for God, not your circumstances. So be in the Lord, standing and agreeing and rejoicing. This is a great way to fight worry in your life. Strategy number one. Strategy number two Not only are we called to stand firm in the Lord, but we are called to overcome worry by praying. You can see this in verse 6. Paul says, don't worry about anything. 
But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So Paul says that we can overcome worry not only by standing firm in the Lord, but by praying as well. So i got to ask you, are you praying, Christian? Are you praying? You need to evaluate where you're at with this particular means of grace. Because if you want to get over worry in your life, you better be praying. And here's what I mean. Paul says that we're not supposed to be worrying. The, worry, the word worry, like I said earlier, means to be troubled or filled with cares or weighed down. Okay, so Paul commanded the Philippian church not to worry about anything, no matter if it's big or small. This is a very difficult thing. Can I get an amen? It is very difficult to not worry about anything. Paul is saying whatever is in your life, big or small, don't worry about it. Now, Christians are not to be a worried people. We are not to be characterized by worry. Now, there's, what are we supposed to be characterized by? By prayer. Prayer is the replacement for worry. Now, if you've ever been to Jamaica, all right, you know what they say, don't worry, man. Don't worry, man. But it is normally their signature for not worrying. Their tool for not worrying is something that you hold in your hand like this. Okay, this is their, don't worry, man. It's all going to be okay, man. Because I've got this in my hand, man. All right. That's one way to do it. All right. Elsa from Disney is going to tell you to just let it go. I've seen that movie way too many times. Four daughters, 6,000 views of that movie at least. And so I don't want to sing it for you because that would not be edifying for you nor for me. But what she's going to say, I hear that. But listen, what she's going to tell you is just let it go. You don't want to worry? Let it go. Start shooting ice out of your hands. Like, that's what you need to do. Okay, that's Elsa's big strategy for helping you with your worry. Okay, the Apostle Paul is going to say, don't be worried, but instead put off worry, Ephesians chapter 4, and then put on prayer. Prayer is the great put on for the Christian who is worried. If you are worried, pray. What does Paul say? Don't worry about anything, but through prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Prayer is a very common word here for prayer. Conversations with God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus has died, and he has risen again from the dead, and he now mediates, he now intercedes to God the Father, for us, and all God's people said, Amen. That is the word for prayer here. Conversations with God. You want to fight worry in your life? Pray. Just do the very simple thing called prayer. Secondly, supplication. This means to make an entreaty. This is more of a plea. Okay, this is when you are really desperate in your heart and mind regarding worry in your life, and it moves you into a prayer meeting or some kind of prayer rhythm in your life where you are pleading with God for something. It reminds me of Luke 18, 1 through 8, the persisting widow. 
Okay, do you remember this parable that Jesus told? There is this widow who wants justice, and she comes to an ungodly, ungod-fearing judge and says, Give me justice, man. And the judge is like, Get out of here. And she comes back the next day, and she says, Give me justice, man. And he's like, Get out of here. And she comes back again, Give me justice. Get out of here. And then the guy becomes so sick and tired of her pestering supplication that she's, he's like, I don't even love God. I don't fear God. I don't even like people very much. But this widow is wearing me out. So I'm just going to give her whatever she wants. So Jesus tells the parable and he says, Will not God in heaven do this and much more for his elect who cry out to him day and night? That's awesome. You want to fight worry in your life? Supplicate. All right? Entreat God. Be persistent with your prayers. Thanksgiving. You should do all of it with an attitude of thanksgiving and prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Wow, that's awesome. Starts your pattern of prayer in the morning with thanksgiving. You want to fight worry in your life and overcome it? Be a grateful person. You see, prayer is this beautiful world of worship. That's what prayer is. Now, you don't learn that in Bible college. You don't learn that in seminary. You learn it in real time. You learn it in real life. You learn it in real ministry, in real circumstances, that prayer is this world that is outside of you that you can plug into. And when you plug into God in prayer, worry wilts away and faith grows. If you want examples of that, you can see Paul's prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. In Colossians 1, you see Paul praying. Have you ever seen Paul pray? Have you ever read Paul's prayers? This guy prays unlike many people do. And when we see Paul's prayers, we say, we should say to ourselves, Lord, make me pray like that. Give me a heart for prayer like that. And Paul commands the church to replace worry with prayer. Put off worry, put on prayer. And Paul commands also that the church uh, let their requests be made known. You can see that at the very end of verse 6. Let your requests be made known to God. To be made known is to be recognized. You have to make your prayers heard. There is something beautiful about your lips moving and, and, and literally audible noises coming out of your mouth of supplication to God. There is something beautiful about it. There is something soothing about it. There is something outletting about that action. So church, we can't just be silent prayers. Paul said if we're going to beat worry, we have to talk to God out loud. There's just a few examples um, of things that I have been known, known for a long time, but in the last few years, God has really been revealing to me as, as more and more important. Um, I'm, I, was, I was so pumped when this camp put a walking path around this ground. Amen? Isn't this so cool? I remember walking at this camp in like the 90s and early 2000s thinking, man, I hate going out to that corner of that camp because my feet get so wet, you know? And there's always bugs out there and it's, there's no, I wish they would use it for something good. Man, that walking path is amazing. Not only for your exercise, but for your prayer life. And I love that they put a prayer guide out there because I'm a huge believer in prayer walks. Going out 
in my community where I live in South Des Moines and just praying over houses and praying over people and letting God know verbally what's going on in my heart and mind. If, if you want to defeat worry in your life, you better start walking and praying, my opinion, okay? Church discipline issues, big church decisions, discipleship requests, big things that are kind of pinching your life, finances, uh, making you worry, kids making you worry. All of these things need to be verbalized to God. And when you verbalize it to God, you find yourself not worrying as much anymore. Another thing that I believe in strongly is fasting and praying. And yes, fasting as in, it's, it's almost illegal to talk about fasting at this place during this week. It just, <laughs> the food has been amazing, amen? It's been good. But it's, it's almost impossible to talk about it this week. My brothers and I were talking about how our diets are going to start when we get home tomorrow, right? And I just think it's going to um, be what it's going to be. I, it'll probably be inconsistent. I told my brothers, you can guarantee on me, you can be convinced of me of one thing. I will diet tomorrow, and after that, it'll be very inconsistent, okay? But listen, fasting and prayer, I am serious about that. In my ministry and in my life, giving up meals to pray. Giving up food so that you can have more of Jesus. Giving up uh, um, food physically so that you can have the bread of life spiritually in your life. Jesus Christ. Fasting and prayer is huge, and we have a prayer team as well at our church that prays at 6 a.m., on Friday mornings every week. And we're praying for the lost souls of our community. We're praying for our church. We're praying for issues. And I believe wholeheartedly that worry is overcome by prayer. And I want to ask you again, Christians, do you have it in your life? Strategy number three, worry is overcome not only by standing firm and praying, but finally by God's peace. And this is in verse 7. The peace of God which surpasses all thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says in this verse that our worry can be overcome through prayer, and the result of prayer will be the peace of God, which surpasses every thought that we have, and that peace will literally guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing promise for you when you pray. When you pray, worry will dissipate, and then this is how awesome God is. God gives you good stuff while you pray, and after you pray, he gives you what? His peace. Okay, the word peace there means tranquility, safety, and security. The peace of God will come into your heart as you pray. Okay, I was thinking about this just uh, yesterday. Uh, a good picture of this is my little 18-month-old Salome. Some of you have seen her. Some of you have talked to her. All right, you've told her to sleep more. I appreciate that from the first sermon that I gave. But just the other day, two days ago, after lunch, the sun was shining. It's really beautiful. And Salome was, she kind of has this run, you know. She has this 18-month-old run, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this. It's kind of like that. It's really cute. She does it way better than I do it. But it was after lunch, and, and she was coming out the door of Jensen. And it was just this awesome dad moment. It was just this amazing dad moment where I turn around, and I see her, 
and all I see is peace and joy. That's all I see. Her arms are extended like this, and she's doing her little 18-month waddle to me, right? And I'm just like, come here, Salome, come here. And she is just running with no thought of worry or fear. And you see peace in her heart. And I'm not saying she always has that peace, okay? But she had it at that moment, and I'm like, this is the picture of prayer. This is what happens when we pray. And when she came into my arms, okay, I loved every millisecond of it because I was her dad, and she was finding her security and her strength and her peace in me. That was awesome. It lasted for two seconds. God's peace comes into our lives for a lot longer than two seconds. Amen? When we pray the peace of God, it surpasses all comprehension of the prayer. That's what God's Word says. That when you pray with this kind of zeal, with this kind of heart, when you pray with petition and thanksgiving, and you don't worry about things, you give them to God... 1 Peter chapter 5, you cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. This peace is going to surpass your comprehension to understand. When you begin to give thanks to God in prayer, you're going to walk out of those prayer times saying, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what all the details are, but I have peace that God has me in his hands. Amen? That's what prayer does. That's where worry wilts to the ground. That's what Paul was calling the church at Philippi to. So this is an amazing promise for believers who pray. And then Paul says that the peace of God is not only inside of you when you pray, but it is active. It is active in the lives of those who pray. It says the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word there in Greek to guard means to protect by military force against a hostile invasion. Isn't that cool? That's an intense word. It is literally this idea that God, his peace, is surrounding your heart, and it is like fully ready to go for war for any invading thoughts of worry, anxiety, and fear that want to come in. That's awesome. God's peace actively guards the hearts of those who pray. And I want to share a couple testimonies, or a couple illustrations before we close our time. But when we had our difficult moment where we lost 12 families in the span of about six months, my wife and I were heartbroken. Because a lot of these families we had led to Jesus. A lot of these families we had baptized. A lot of these families we had personally discipled. And it was a very painful time for us. And we gave these individuals to God in prayer, not once, not twice. you got to do it every day, amen? A thousand times over, we are praying for these families and saying, Lord, whatever your will is, we love them. We, we want the best for them. Whatever your will is for them, God, let it be done and give us joy and peace in the midst of it. And God literally surrounded my wife and I with his peace. And it was very powerful. And we've continued to pray for these families. And just the other day, three weeks ago actually, walking into church, it's a packed house. I'm excited to preach. God's working. His spirit is stirring in our church. I'm just so pumped. And, and who walks in the door? 
but one of those 12 families that broke our hearts. I saw him walk in the back, and our counseling pastor was giving announcements. I don't know what he said during announcement time. I have no idea. I started bawling like a baby. I headed over to that family. We hugged each other. We wept. We prayed. I couldn't believe they were at church. I couldn't believe it. It was so awesome. God had guarded our hearts two years earlier. And he set it up for that moment. And I can't, I can't explain to you the worship. Like, we prayed and worshiped God in the back of the gym. And I got done praying with them, and I looked at them, and I said, I'm done. I don't even want to preach. <laughs> Service is over. I wanted to go up on stage and say, we're going we're gonna to be done with the singing, and we're going to close in prayer because God is so awesome. Another story that just happened uh, when we were considering building or buying this grocery store, right? You know, we're, we're buying a grocery store and we're turning it into a church. Well, we got down into this place financially where we needed to make a really big decision about whether we were going to buy this building or not. And so I've got all my bean counters in there, my finance team, and I got all my elders in the room and we're meeting in this room and, and we're trying to make these decisions. And I'm worried, right? I'm worried, like, Lord, what do you want? This is an awesome opportunity. I don't know what to do. I'm the lead pastor. Everybody's looking at me in the room. Like, God, what do you want me to do? And, and uh, we're just, I'm worried. I'm just worried about it. We meet, and the, the finance team, all my bean counters are saying, Pastor, unless we see God do something really big, we don't know that we're fully in on this. And the elders were kind of like, yeah, we, we kind of need to see God do something. And I said, well, God, do something. I mean, what do you want, what do you want to see God do? And I, I said, would, would $100,000 in our bank account uh, in additional funds, would that do it? Would that, would that move you to a place where you'd be like, sign off on it. Let's go for this grocery store. And they're like, uh, yeah, you know, that would help. I said, well, I don't have $100,000, so I guess we just got to pray. So we closed the meeting in prayer, and I, I'm walking out to my car, and, you know, the elders and everybody's leaving, and I'm just, I'm driving down the road, and I'm like, God, what, what in the world, $100,000? Who has $100,000? Man, I, I barely got 100 bucks. How are we going to get $100,000? And I thought about making some strategic phone calls, you know, being a leader. Let's do this thing. And God's just like, Josh, just be quiet and pray. Pray. And as I'm driving down Army Post Road on the south side of Des Moines, I'm just like, Jesus, I don't really always like your solutions to my problems. But I'm going to trust you and I'm going to pray as much as my competitive heart wants to do something. And so I just prayed and went home, talked to Danielle about it. And we prayed together that night. The next morning, we wake up. I have my devotions early. Pray, God, this is your thing. You know how close we are. You know the, the, the complexity of the moment, the, the bigness of the moment. Shortly after Danielle and I prayed that next morning, I got a text message from an individual and said, hey, I would like to meet with you at 8.30 a.m. at your office building. And I'm like, okay. And I knew this individual. And we met at, at 8.30 a.m. At, at our office building, and we met, and he talked, and he said, 
look, I don't know what it really all entails. He said, but God has put you guys, your church, your ministry on my wife and I's heart, and we sense that God is doing something great. We sense that this is what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to bless your church. We have this really cool time of prayer and worship and all that stuff. He hands me an envelope. He walks out the door. I open the envelope, and it is a check for $200,000. How great is our God? I looked at it, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I started bawling my eyes out in our office saying, God, you're so stinking good. I don't know how you did all that, but prayer was a part of it, and you're guarding my heart and mind so that I can trust you. And I let all the guys know. I let all the bean counters know, and the bean counters are like, hmm, it's cool. <laughs> but look. Prayer is not an option for us as believers. Prayer is not an option for us as believers. If we want to be joyful and, and walking in confident passion and seeing worry, our enemy, which is worry, go down and down and down, we need to be praying. And I would say this, I'm going to appeal to, to you as we close. Jesus Christ made a way for us to pray to God. He made a way through his cross and his resurrection. We shouldn't waste his sacrifice with prayerless living. We need to lay hold of him, be passionate, be active, and be specific. So as Cody comes up and we close our time and our week together, I just want to ask you some questions tonight. What are you worried about tonight? What's on your heart? I'm sure there's a variety of things represented in, in a crowd this size. I would encourage you to stand firm. Hold the line. How's your prayer life, believer? Are you practicing prayer and petition and thanksgiving in your life? Christ died and rose again so that we would be active prayers. We have unfettered access to the throne room of God to experience his blessings and to experience his transformations in our lives. Let's not waste it. Church, let's not waste it. Let's take advantage of what the gospel has opened up to us. And for some of you here tonight, you're probably feeling the tug I hope, it's been my prayer that you're feeling the tug to pray for the first time and truly receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not as your, not as your sometimes Sunday school Savior, but as your Lord and your Master forever. Some of you need to be saved. And you need to enter into the prayer room for the very first time repent of your sins and ask Christ to come inside your heart. So wherever you're at, may God be praised in the decisions that we make together. So let's all stand up together and I'll close this in prayer. Father, thanks for your grace.